0: For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts. Download the free Coys app
1: now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Coming New Spurs Podcast. My name's Dan Tracy. I'm incredibly hoarse this week. I've got a big chest infection, but the show goes on. And that show will be for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. And boy, have we got a lot to chat about this weekend, or this week, shall I say. Because win or lose, and it was a loss, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening again, and that means leading the line from the front around that captain's armband is Carl. So Carl, how have you been since we last spoke?
0: Yeah, it was quite good up until until Saturday lunchtime and it it had a bad vibe about it in the build-up to it, didn't it? It kind of never liked Saturday lunchtime and then unfortunately that ruined the rest of the weekend, didn't it? So uh, hopefully we get our free therapy session and uh, we'll come away feeling a lot better after this.
1: Yes, it's the first therapy of the season. Patrick, you're back in the fold once more. How have you been these past seven days?
2: Um. Yeah, usually I'm here, vibrant, full of energy, you know, full of that, pizzazz. Um I'm feeling a bit deflated now after that game because there's one, there's one thing to lose a football game, but there's a manner in which we lost and it was just... <sighs> so yeah, we're getting to it today. Um, don't want to talk too much now, but I'm okay. But obviously a bit deflected, a bit, bit deflated, sorry, after that performance.
1: OK, mate, we'll get those energy levels back up by the end of the show, I promise. <laughs> and also joining us, making his debut, good sponsorship there, Patrick, like it, making his debut is Jonathan Williams. He's a regular contributor to the show, and he thought, you know what, I want a crack at this. So, Jonathan, thank you for joining us tonight. I hope all is well.
3: Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks. Looking forward to it.
1: Fantastic. Before we get into all things Tottenham, let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect Saturday and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Community Spurs app the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at C-O-Y-S We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let me know. I'll get it sorted for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating so we move up that league table. And I guess also, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel so you never miss an episode of this and our Friday previews and any other content we end up doing. Right, let's get down to business, and that business, well, I guess, Carl, what a difference an international break makes, because that bubble is well and truly burst.
0: Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, As you say, it it was all leading up to this, wasn't it, to be honest? We did our preview show, didn't we? We kind of said that the omens weren't great, you know, last time we played Palace last season, we were top, um, a good run of form, and this was exactly kind of a mirror image of that, wasn't it? Top, good run of form. Nuno gets manager of the month and you're kind of thinking we couldn't have had any more kiss of deaths, could we? Um, But I don't think anyone could have seen the sort of performance that we ended up putting in that week. You know, yes, we had a lot of injuries um, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, And obviously they will have played their part, but it was just abject, wasn't it? Um, And it was even worse was the fact that for me, that was probably worse than anything we saw under Jose Mourinho. And when we thought that some of those performances were bad, I would say this is probably on a par with with anything and even worse than what he served up. The last time I remember us playing so badly against a team I don't think we should have done was when we lost 3-0 Brighton, which was pretty much the end of Poch's era, wasn't it? Um, and that was... Pretty much yesterday, was pretty much on par with that, um and let's face it, if that was Joe that had served up that sort of performance at the weekend, Twitter would have exploded um and everyone would have been going mad um and the manner of the defeat's really worrying, and that's I'm sure we'll get into that as we go along.
1: well, let's get into it now, because Patrick we've been mentioning the kind of the type of win, one nils, a win is a win, and you think brilliant, nine points out of nine. What can possibly be wrong about that? And really, not a lot. However, as soon as you lose a game, that kind of narrative is all distorted. It's all a case of, well, actually, do you know what? The football isn't that good. We're not attacking. We're not creating. And then you kind of sort of look at it through a different lens. So is this the start of the sheen starting to slip? I'm not advocating Nuno out or anything silly like that. But people are now sort of taking a sense of realism, pragmatism, shall we say. And Saturday was quite a sobering performance, wasn't it?
2: That's it. I mean, when you win games, like you said, Dan, when you win, it's all brilliant and it's fantastic. one nils, if they're scrappy, if they're one nils, that should have been 10-0s, if they're one nils, that we were lucky to get a win. It all doesn't matter as long as you get that W and clean sheets always help as well. I mean, we had 35% possession against Man City, 42% possession against Wolves, 58% against Watford. So we weren't really dictating and dominating games, uh, but last or uh, Saturday, because we're on Monday now, 38% against Palace. And i know we played for 30 minutes with 10 men but even when it's 11 versus 11 they outran us they outclassed us we were second best to everything it's like after the first 20 minutes we stopped pressing kane was just walking around like a scarecrow he looked like he didn't want to be there i know he wasn't getting any service but still i only saw him really press the ball maybe once or twice after lucas made that run uh at the players in the first couple of minutes we pretty much did nothing. And like you said, wins will always make us look good because we can always say, oh, but this happened and that happened. But if you get the double, you get the points. We're all going to be happy and move on to the next game. But when you lose 3-0 like that, and the manner we just crumbled. I know we went down to 10 men, but teams can still get a result with 10. We saw Chelsea do it against Liverpool. We've seen other teams do it. And we just, we were well off it. And for me, it was worrying because Nuno just looked out of his depth. He just sat there like this for the whole game, arms folded, no emotion, no energy, no desire to change things. Even if you didn't want to bring players on, and you didn't trust your creative players, at least get up and make some tweaks. You see Tuchel doing that all the time, don't you? He makes tweaks as the game's going on. In-game management was 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 not there. Oh man, I could go on all day. I, d- I want to let the other guys speak, but yeah, it is worrying, like Carl said. I'm hoping that it's a one-off and it's a bad day at the office and against Chelsea we raise our game. But if this is the start of things to come, then we're in for a long season, boys.
1: Well, Jonathan, let's bring you in because obviously this is the first time we've spoken on this platform. I know we sort of exchanged tweets, but let's gauge your reaction to the season so far. As Patrick says, it's only one defeat. So let's try and be a bit optimistic, but it's hard to be optimistic when you've lost in such a manner as you did last Saturday. So is it Sense of throwing the baby out of the bathwater. It's one defeat from four. It's nine points from 12 still. If you do beat Chelsea, which is going to be tough, if then you've got Arsenal as well, if you get six points or even four points from six, things aren't that bad. But what's been your take thus far?
3: I've been really rather pleased so far because for the first time in a long time, it looked like we've learnt how to win ugly. And we haven't done that very much over the last few seasons. We've either sort of run away with it and um, uh, and dominated and, and perhaps one by at least two goals, or we've uh, lost, and often in a very depressing fashion. But that's first. I, I, so I, I was actually really quite infused about the start because it was something new that we haven't really seen before from our team. Well, not for a very long time anyway. Um, And I'm not sure that there's anything to worry about. It was almost like a perfect storm last week. Everything that possibly could have gone wrong went, um, what did we lose, five, six players from the international window, uh, were no longer available for the match for a whole myriad of reasons, not all of them injuries, unfortunately. Um, And uh, then 15 minutes into the game, Dyer gets injured and goes off. Um, and again, strange enough to report, he has been our defensive rock uh, alongside Sanchez. So all of a sudden, we had a completely new centre back pairing who hadn't played in centre back for for the whole season. So you know, all things considered, um, had we held out and got a nil nil, I wouldn't have been too dissatisfied bearing in mind what, everything that was going on in the background beforehand. I, I do share everybody's disappointment about the lack of creativity. It was, well, just completely absent. There wasn't any, was there? There was nothing, really. Moura did a couple of runs and that was about it. Other than that, we had seemingly no idea how we were going to score or create anything. And we had, we'd picked three midfielders, all of whom are defensively minded. Do we really need three defensive midfielders against Crystal Palace? I didn't quite understand that selection from Leno, but you know, prior to the game, having one man of the match, manager of the month, who could have who could have criticised? So um, it was a strange selection, but yeah, I, I just think, I just think everything that possibly could have gone wrong went wrong, and I would imagine. This morning, in training, they just drew a line underneath everything and said, well, that was crap, wasn't it? Let's start again. Um, because what else can you do? Everything was pretty much crap.
1: Well, Carl, we've got a comment here from Jim F. Thanks for sending this in, Jim. He sort of is inferring that the bubble's not burst yet. He's only one game. But I'm interested in what he says about selection mistakes. Yes, the selection wasn't great, and it's never great when you then lose three nil. It's very easy to say that. However, I will play devil's advocate and say, what else could Nuno have done with such a paucity of options across the pitch?
0: Yeah, like, like as you know, Jonathan says there. You know, going into the game, when I saw the selection, you are sitting there thinking, "Wow, well, that, that that central midfield position is a little bit bland and a little bit van- vanilla, isn't it? You know, there's not much in there that's going to excite you." But then you are sitting there thinking, well, hang on, you know, he's seen these players, he's worked with them. You know, he was never going to throw in Dembele straight into the starting eleven given the kind of criticisms that had been aimed at him before the season started. So to think that he was just going to throw him in. Gil, you know, I know we're all calling out for, for Hill, but again, you could sit there and go, well, do you really throw an inexperienced player into a game away from home at a tough ground? OK, I can accept all that what i can't accept is when you see the game is going the wrong way and going against you and you come out you know you we saw you know 10 15 minutes in everything looked like it was actually going okay wasn't it more has had a couple of good runs it's a pretty even game you're thinking okay this is all right but from that minute on when you can see the palace momentum building and building and building and building and you're not getting on the ball and you're not creating anything And then you go in at half-time, you think, okay, maybe you can stir something up, change as Patrick said, maybe later on make some tweaks, but you come out in the second half and 10 minutes into that, you can see nothing's changing here. A manager needs to react. And for me, the biggest alarm bell is that he still just sat on his hands, did nothing, looked at it going wrong, saw that a midfield three weren't creating anything, weren't going to give us any spark and you're looking and thinking you got Ndombele sitting there and you got Hill bring one of them on at least to try and change something up yes You know, the sending off, he may say the sending off was at the point where he was going to make those changes and maybe try to change it up. But the game was gone before that sending off at that point. You know, you could see where it was going. It was one of them that's just like, listen, the pressure's building here and we've got nothing to change this. So don't hang around. You know, don't sit there. You've given them 10 minutes more from what you've said to them at halftime. Make the change. He didn't he sat there, obviously Tanganga is rash and ends up getting himself sent off and i 'm sure we'll go into that red card at some point, but and at that point then doesn 't matter what change you make now because effectively you, you 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 know you're now in a really bad spot. he could still have brought Hill or something on because again it wasn't working for Deli alley at that point was it you know it wasn't working for winks, but I think at that point. He tried to just play it safe and think maybe I can see if we see it out for a point now, a nil-nil. And we can never do that. This is Tottenham Hotspur. We can't see a game out for a nil-nil. We'll never have been, never will be able to, I don't think. And like I say, those decisions really, really worry me. Um, and we'll probably might come on to this later. But, you know, for me, this is where I'm slightly concerned about where we might be going under Nuno. And where, for me, and I'm going to say it now, and this might be going big and this might be going over the top and it isn't just reactionary to defeat. this is why I would have preferred to have seen Potter come in and get that job because the way I see him having Brighton set up and playing, that's the sort of football I would like to have seen us play. Um, but, yeah, he's, if he's going to stay, because I don't think he's going to get that long. You know, if we lose to Chelsea, which is highly likely, if we then go and lose to Arsenal as well, I think the pressure will be on Nuno very quickly this season.
1: Well, I mean, we can't really be talking about managers getting the boot in November, can we? Let's be honest, if he's seventh down the list in terms of our actual replacement for a manager, where on earth would you go after that? I have no idea. I mean, that's not a topic we can really go down at the moment. And I don't really hope it's a a topic we do go down. You want at least a season out of Nuno because otherwise we're reinventing the wheel and failing badly. But Patrick, in terms of failing badly, Carl touched on it there. In terms of half-time, you're sort of thinking, whew, well, you know, at least it's half-time. At that point, you'd think, one change, surely. Let's get a bit of vibrancy in that midfield. If it has to be Ndombele, even though he's not been featuring so bit, let's just get him in, get him some Premier League minutes, try and change the game. Something positive. Nothing happened. Do you think Nuno got complacent because he's thought, OK, I've won three on the bounce at 1-0. I only need a goal. I'll get it. I've got Harry Kane up top. Do you reckon it comes to that? Or was it a case of, I'm going to give it 10 more, then that kind of backfired? Where do you think it all went wrong in that aspect?
2: You know what, Dan? I honestly can't tell you because watching him, watching his reaction, his body language, I just don't understand what was going on. I mean, we were lucky. Let's be honest. We were lucky to go in nil-nil at half-time. Conor Gallagher should have scored. I don't know how he didn't. Hugo Lloris, great save. Or Gallagher not really aiming for the roof of the net or any corner or angle. Nil-nil at half-time, we kind of to, you know, got got lucky with that. Cool, we regroup. We're away from home, hostile environment, London derby. They were well and truly up for it, and we kind of looked battered and knackered after the international break. So at halftime, I thought, okay, this is where Nuno earns his coin. This is what we're going to see what he's about. Didn't make a change. Okay, we we we'll take that. Six, uh, fifty fifth minute onwards, you got to make a change. I know Tanganga kind of lost his head. And things kind of went out the window, but still, you can still do something. We've got two creative players there in um in Brian Gill and Belle. I didn't think Endombele would come on first. How he does that? Holly, please <laughs> put that pillow, cushion, or whatever it is in the bin right now, please.
0: Or we'll just put an Arsenal key on it, Holly, for please. Just, you know, just voodoo, yeah, no, just no, some funny. voodoo.
1: For those who are but, um, listening on a. Uh, podcast platform. Holly, our regular contributor, podcast member, has chimed in with Harry Wink's Disaster afterclass. It continues. We'll get to that topic in a moment. Patrick, <laughs> please
2: continue. Yeah, sorry. So oh, yeah. So, 55th minute. I think Tangango did um, the second. I thought it was quite harsh. I know he went in reckless. but He didn't make any contact with the player. The only thing is that referee wasn't looking to give us anything. And he kind of put himself in the spotlight just after he had done the whole pullback Zaha thing. The crowd were all over him as well. And this is what, you see the difference what a crowd does, because I think last year, closed stadium, behind closed doors, the referee doesn't give a second yellow there. He just gives him a warning. But the, the fans were on there, which is rightfully so. The fans, they made their voices heard and they did what they need to do at an away game. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm the Nuno thing worries me because... There's going to be games this season where we're up against it. And for me, I'm just hoping that he learns from his mistake. But I've got a Wolves fan that I speak to quite regularly. And he says, this is what Nuno's about. And he doesn't really react to in-game. His in-game management is poor. So that is where I'm a bit concerned. And like Carl said, I would have preferred Graham Potter. I wanted Potter wasn't my first choice, but he was on my list in my top five choices. Because he knows the Prem inside out. He performs very well with, obviously, a lesser team. No respect to Brighton, but he knows how to play attacking football and defensively as well. He sets up quite well. He would have been my choice if he would have stayed in Prem. So, yeah, I'm a bit worried about this whole Nuno thing. I can't lie. I'm not i am not convinced with him.
1: OK, then, Jonathan. Obviously, we don't want to be talking about our manager getting the boot or anything. So is the issue fundamentally not having a good transfer window? We spoke about trying to rate the transfer window last week. and We were all sort of saying, well, can't really put a <clears> finger <throat> on it because... You don't know how players are going to be until the end of the season and where the team finishes, etc. So, if you just kind of wind it back, is it a case of actually that window wasn't as good as we first thought and really this squad isn't up to the kind of level that we need it to be? Could change in January, but it's very hard to get players in January, isn't it? So, when you're looking across the season, we'll get to Harry Kane where his mind is later on, but when you're looking at the squad on paper and the imbalance we've still got, it's a bit of a concern, isn't it?
3: Uh, Yes, because I think the one thing or the two things we didn't uh, cover in the transfer window was the creative midfielder. We haven't replaced Ericsson, Uh and it's been two seasons now since he's gone. We've got nothing like it. Nobody to put that killer pass through to feed either Sa- uh, Son or Kane. And at the same time, we lost um, the backup to Kane last season, and I had no problems about letting go of him, but we needed to get somebody I know Carl was um, was pushing for Danny Ings, and, God, that would have felt a lot better, wouldn't it, if we'd have had Ings and Kane up front of the weekend. So uh, I think that's still a glaring issue and a glaring omission from the summer that we're short on those two key personnel, and there seems nobody in the squad that can fill that hole, that can cover for that. And that's... So in that respect, that's got to be a criticism of our performance in the transfer window or in the transfer market. We we all knew we needed somebody or one, one, of, one of those guys, and we didn't get either of them.
1: Well, Carl, Jim F has chimed in again. He says that three defensive midfielders against Crystal Palace made no sense to him. I don't think it made sense to anyone. But I think really the diamond shape didn't work either. I know he's also said that if Brian Hill isn't playing against Palace, when does he start? But in his whole season, there'll be minutes somewhere... I think everyone's a bit disappointed those minutes didn't come on Saturday when there was an apparent option where he could have just been thrust in and gone, there you go, there's your opportunity. But, you know, there's no Lasselso. we've talked about Indembele, obviously Sissoko's down the road now, he's not a part of the club, so it's kind of like, what else could we have done? Oliver Skip, yes, he was on the pitch, but there's also his injury doubt. Was he at full fitness? Never quite in the game. Holly's also mentioned Harry Winks and his disaster class. It's slim pickings in the middle of the park, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it, it it is, isn't it? Um, and even you know, let's face it. Even if you had those two players, Undembele and lacelso is anyone actually been convinced by them yet to say that they could actually come in and suddenly turn a game? You know, we've we've seen it in flashes with Undembele, haven't we? Where yes, you know, he has got a creative side to him, but again, he's another player that can go missing for long periods in games if it isn't going right. Lo Celso, again, we're all still on the fence with him, aren't we? Again, you know, he had a really good start to his Spurs career and was looking like that player that was going to take the ball on and, and do. But he has then kind of regressed slightly in his Spurs career, isn't he? Where again, we're all looking now thinking, well, yeah, he's neat and tidy. But again, sometimes there's the killer ball or the, in the vital moment that creativity isn't there. We are really lacking in that area and, you know, as much as Holly's laughed and said Winks' disaster class, Winks at the weekend was no worse than Hoiberg or Oliver Skip, you know, that, yeah. let's face it, none of them kind of made themselves look, look particularly, you know, good on the weekend. So, you know, to, to try and single Winks out, probably a little bit unfair after this weekend. But you've just got players in there who can't do the job that they need to. You know, even Dele Alli at the moment, again, you know, it was, he wasn't going to work out in that wider position. You know, he needs to be in the centre, I think, behind the striker. So we do desperately lack that creative that creative spark. Um, your only other hope is that Harry's dropping deep. But again, if Son's not playing, then that you can't really rely on that too much because what's Harry dropping to supply, you know? Lucas was trying his best, and you've got to say he's had a decent start. Lucas, isn't he? But again, he'll be another one of those players who goes really patchy. Um, he'll have a really good run, but then he'll have a little spell where he can go missing in certain games and not deliver. The trouble is, it's not going to change, is it? The, the, you know, we're not going to go out in January and suddenly go and buy. A, a classy, creative midfielder because the money would be through the roof, especially if you're struggling at that point, because everyone will know Spurs really need a creative midfielder. They want our man. OK, the money is going to go through the roof. And we know we ain't buying no one that's, you know, that, you know, the market value is that high, especially as well, that player will need to be someone in their prime now, ready to hit the ground running. And again, that isn't our philosophy. That's not the sort of talent we're looking for. I think it does spell, you know, it is worrying. I'm sure Lo Celso and Ndombele will add a little bit more into that midfield when, you know, when they're back and maybe fit. But the creative spark does worry me. And again, you know, you've only got that injury to Son or Harry Kane. So really, I think, you know, you make you a bit of a blunt knife.
1: Patrick, is this the most important season for Lo we kind of, the jury's still out. The jury can't keep being out. It's got to make a decision at some point. Is this the season where you now say to him, obviously we won't be saying to him, but the manager will say, look, there's not that many um, rivals for your position. It's up to you now. If you want it, go get it. But if you don't, you know, it's another unfortunate transfer bust for Spurs.
2: Yeah, stick or twist for him right now. I mean, we paid £40 million and from betters he looked fantastic. you have seen all, all the clips and games and, yeah, when he first came, we saw flashes and glimpses of it. Last year was a bit stop-start because of the injuries, but... When I watch him play for Argentina, he looks so much better than he does when he plays for Spurs. I don't really get it. But, yeah, we need to see something now. One of these guys has got to take the, the game by the scruff of the neck, take the ball by the horn and get on the ball and dictate, push forward. I mean, against um against Crystal Palace, three similar-ish players, none of them look to get on the ball and push forward, You know, drop a shoulder, go past a player cut the, the, you know, the lines of the defensive zone or whatever they were doing. There was no one trying to do that. I think Skip, at one point, tried to loft the ball over to Harry Kane. Didn't quite work out. Kane gave him the thumbs up, like, you know, well played or well tried. Other than that, no one tried to slip in Kane or find him. So it was, yeah, we need someone that will get in. But like like Carl said, not go missing because Ndombele's played many a game and we didn't even know he was playing. So let's not all say, "Ah, oh, we need Ndombele or we need La Celso because these guys have played and still not produced. But this season, they've both got to step up now. They're both, you know, considered very skillful, uh, high asset players. We paid a lot of money. Between both of them, that's £100 million in, in, in talent. They've got to provide and, and they've got to start, you know, chipping in with goals and assists. Um, The, the talent is there. We paid good money for them. They came from, you know, good clubs, they got good pedigree. It's time for them to deliver. So yeah, you're right, I agree with you, Dan. It is time now
3: for them to deliver. Okay. Well, Dan, can I sorry, can I just ask, you watch an awful lot more football than I do. Where do Argentina play Le Celso and why don't we do the same? Because they see something in it.
1: I don't watch a lot of Argentinian football, is anyone else will answer that?
3: I still think he
0: plays seems to play in the middle, but maybe he just gets a little bit more freedom to kind of roam a little bit in their side. Um, where obviously, you know, we were very rigid, weren't we? Under under Joe, say you just got the impression that players like this and. You're here. I don't want to see you roam too far from this, and I don't want to see you take too many risks. When I think with Argentina, there maybe is that freedom to be a little bit more expressive uh, and be a little bit more creative. Um, it also helps when you're playing with a raft of talent that he plays with, plays with there. Um, yeah, we, you know, I, I would also say though that some of that is on the Celso to bring that form to his Spurs game, you know, because again you know yes you you will have instructions we know managers will give you instructions but we've seen some you know I mean we've seen some really poor performances and, and poor stuff you know things like running the ball out of play when he's under no pressure at all from anyone and you just go well that just you know that just is way below the mark of what we expect so you know it could be Jonathan as you say we need to give him a little bit more of creative freedom he probably also needs to kind of as we're saying step it up this season and And if he can get back to that form he showed when he first come into the side, you know, I remember a point, you know, at Southampton away in the FA Cup where he run that, he run the game and was brilliant. If he can get back to that, you know, there is a player there that can definitely add some real value to our midfields. And and we've just got to hope that after this, you know, debacle that's gone on with the COVID break and wandering off to, to go and play where they did, They've got to come back with their towel between their legs and hopefully that will be an extra spur to those players to make sure, listen, we need to get back here and actually we owe this club so that that's get in and get to work.
1: Well, we've got a comment from Premier Hotspur TV. Thanks for sending this in. He says the weekend performance shows that we lack depth in this team and God knows where we'll be without Kane the Son. But I want to make a case for the defence and not a very good case because they weren't very good at the weekend. So, Jonathan, Eric Dyer gets injured early on. We've now got a real paucity of options for the weekend. But how integral was his departure early on? Was that, I wouldn't say that was the turning point. There's another one to come, which we'll get to in a moment. But obviously, after such a great start to the season, shortlisted for, for player of the month, he's then off early doors. So it's quite a blow for us to then deal with, especially with so many other absentees during the game.
3: I actually thought Radon came on and played pretty well. Yeah, once. he did. He yeah. hadn't seen him all season. He came on and he looked... He looked comfortable, he looked relaxed, but also focused and on it, as you would hope the centre-back would be. Um, and and I didn't, up until the penalty, I didn't have too many worries about how the defence was playing. I thought they were coping quite manfully with what was one-way traffic, um, because we were providing almost no relief, no no meaningful possession deep into the Palace half. And so it, it didn't take very long before once again the defence was under pressure. And they all did pretty well. We had Regulon clearing the ball from under the, from under the crossbar. Um, the save from Lloris uh, from Gallagher just before half-time. You know, yes, we were under pressure too much, but that's because we lost the midfield and we lost all the possession. But other than that, I actually thought the defence had played really pretty well up until the penalty, and then once the penalty happened, we just lost control of the match completely. It seemed to me.
0: I think Dyer. I think Dyer must have looked back at Larice and say, thanks, mate, because Larice really threw Dyer under a bus with that rollout to him, didn't he, that caused the injury, you know, his rollout, he's then got a stretch to try and clear it away from the oncoming forward. And, and ultimately, it was that stretch that, you know, allowed that collision. And, I think LaRice has got away with it kind of quite lightly and the backlash from that, because that, that really was just an un, unnecessary, unforced error from him. And, you know, ultimately it cost us on that day, didn't it, with, with Dyer having to go off.
1: Well, that was the start of it all going wrong, Patrick. You referenced the sending off. So let's talk about the first flashpoint. <clears throat> did Tanganga need to do what he did, really? You know, was that, I wouldn't say naivety, but... He's kind of played into Zaha's hands. We know that Zaha likes to whinge. That's kind of his M.O., isn't it? You know, yeah. there's no getting away from that. And that's not us being sulky because we got thumps at the weekend. It's just how he is. But once he's rolled up and we'll get to the second yard in a moment, that's the kind of... The fuse has been lit there. Did he need to light his own fuse when he did what he did?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, Tanganga, i take nothing away from him. He's a fantastic young centre-back and I really think he's going to have a good, bright career for us. But... On Saturday, you saw the naivety and you saw the young centre-back come out of him. And I think the crowd and and atmosphere and occasion got to him. And like we said on our preview on Friday, an angry Zaha is a Zaha you don't want to face. And that gave Zaha all the fuel and the fire he needed to then step it up and pretty much toast us for the rest of the game. Tanganga, it's a bit of a, I understand Tanganga's frustration. Lucas was injured. The guys could clearly see he was down and he was hurt bad and they continued to play on. So it was unsportsmanlike. But then what Tanganga did was super unsportsmanlike and literally clotheslined him. He could have been a bit more subtle with the foul. I mean, we knew he was going to take him out, but at least be a bit more tact with it, a bit more, you know. We took him out, pretty much clotheslined him. The whole kerfuffle broke out. And then he was under the spotlight. So then when you go in for the second challenge, which he did right after that, and let's be honest, that referee wasn't giving us anything and he was looking to give them everything. He kind of forced the referee's hand. The referee was never going to back out of that. And I think for us, that was where the game changed. I mean, we were under the cosh anyway, um, but we were still like, um, like Jonathan said, we still, I still felt fairly comfortable at 0-0 with 11 on the uh, on the pitch. Soon as Tanguy went off, game over. I saw it coming.
1: Well, Jonathan, obviously, minutes after getting one yellow, he gets a second Tanganga. Again, is that that naivety? Is someone needing a word? Just saying, look, calm down. Obviously, it's too late now, but that combined with the referee, I wouldn't say he was in Palace's pocket, but he certainly wasn't doing us any favours. So, you can sort of see it all unfolding. You've got the dire injury, you've got Tanganga getting booked, a Palace crowd heated up, it then gets to a second yellow card, We'll get to the penalty in a moment, but does Tanganga need to just let heads prevail in such a moment?
3: I actually think he was a little unlucky in the sequence that led to him lunging into the tackle. I mean, he'd actually, he'd read uh, the through ball from Palace, cut it out. Um, Unfortunately, I think it was probably his second touch was a bit too far ahead. Uh, and lost possession and then lunged to try and get it back all of a sudden. I don't think that was a red mist lunge, it perhaps wasn't the clearest of thinking um, because it's as though he'd forgotten what had happened two minutes ago when he clattered Saha and the referee clearly gave him a very stern talking to and he's he's almost filling in the blanks for the referee's report isn't he really? Um, in, in then lunging in only two minutes on. Um, And I know Patrick was very critical about the referee. I didn't think the referee was great. He certainly let an awful lot go um, in terms of challenges through the back and so on. I know they've been more lenient this season, referees as a whole, but he seemed even like the most lenient we've seen in letting that go. Um, But our guys weren't reacting to that. They were still... You know, falling over like a house of cards, expecting to get the foul that was never going to come. They'd already seen three, four, five examples of the referee not giving that. So why are they still rolling over, expecting to get it? I, I don't think we read the referee very well, and I think the lunch from, from Tanganga was, was in a way part of that. It's as, as I said, a, you know, Saha deliberately made a big thing about being clattered, deliberately. Went into um, Tanganga's face, I think, to get Tanganga sent off for that original offence, or to get another reaction that would then cause a second yellow, you know, in 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 the the whole handbag moment. But ultimately, it is what it is. I I, I wouldn't be too hard on Tanganga for uh, the second challenge. I think the first one, as you said, uh, Carl, that. He could have done it in a more subtle way, or was it Patrick? He could have, yeah, he could have, he could have stopped him, blocked him, fouled him, without actually completely cleaning him out from behind. Although it's always quite nice to see it, particularly if they're in an Arsenal shirt. But really, it's never going to get you any favours. It's never going to fa- get you any favours with the refs, is it? So, you know. Uh, I think
0: as well, Dan, yeah, on that incident, again, I think sometimes that always shows you a, a lack of a leader on the pitch because there we would like to have seen one of the more experienced heads go over and just say, right, listen, given the whole melee that's just gone over there and basically, you know, grabbing each other by the throat and everything like that, this ref is going to be watching you like a hawk right now for the next, you know, five ten minutes. So listen, you know you're wound up, but just calm it now. Because if you go and do it, if you the next tackle you make, this ref will be straight on it. And you probably needed, you know, a, you know, and I'm not, you know, going to say Kane, Hoyberg, someone like that, one of those more experienced players. I think should have gone and and Maybe unfortunately, that was the shame with Dyer going off, wasn't it? Because maybe Dyer alongside him would have just said, right, listen settled down, but you've got two young players in Rodon and Tanganga, not one of them a senior player, really. But I think one of those older heads should have taken it on them just to say, right, just stay out of the limelight here for 10 minutes, because this guy will be after you for anything now. Um, And especially don't go near Zaha, because he's going to be looking to go over at the ultimate opportunity. Um, And yeah, it's costless, isn't it? But, you know, even if he was wound up that Mora was down injured, as we're saying, The tackle that he made, that was naive and that's something we've got to hope. And I think he will. He'll learn from because Tengang has had a really good start to the season. So, you know, yeah, do we just have to put that down to one of them young mistakes and hopefully he'll have learnt the lesson from getting sent off from that.
1: Well, I think with the second one, he just makes the referee's decision for him, really, doesn't he? You know, minutes after getting caught in the handbags, having a stern word, just keep your head down. even, Even if it was mistimed, it's a bad touch. There's no real malice mm. in it. you know. He's not really gone out to, to do him or anything, but you know, it's an open and shut case, really. And unfortunately, Patrick, that really was a turning point. You know, We spoke about mitigating the circumstance of Dyer's yeah. injury. Then Tanganga gets sent off. You spoke about the referee giving everything to Palace. In this instance, it was the assistant referee straight to their flag with the, the, uh, the penalty mm. awards. What can you say, really? Again, a bit open and shut case. What was Ben Davis doing with that jangly arm? Bad positioning and from what you consider an experienced defender.
2: Mate, I was shocked because, you know what, I didn't see it in real time. So I thought, oh, what's the referee flagging? Sorry, the assistant or liner, whoever it was, flagging. As soon as they showed the replay, I was like, you know what, I can't, I can't legislate or justify for that. His hand's out like that and it's like nowhere near his body. It's not a natural position. It's a stonewall pen, you know. So I, I don't understand. You know, Davies is not first choice anymore, thank God. But he's an experienced guy. He's played for his country in big occasions, Champions League football. He was part of our, you know, one of our best squads. He was an integral member that he should know better than that. And yeah, that kind of put us up against it. Nice, coolly slotted penalty by Zaha. And after that, it was was always going to be tough to get back into that game. Um, heads went
0: after that didn't they patrick the heads just went after that it was every it was just obviously they're just playing the rest of the game in a blur aren't they where it's like right this is gone now
2: and carl you made a great point at that point you should have saw harry kane hoiberg even maybe Larice, like getting out there say come on let's go let's like show some pride or passion even if we get beat let's at least go out fighting we didn't go out fighting we just literally fell on our swords and it was just pathetic you with know, Edouard coming on and scoring the first goal, I don't know how that even crept in. And in the second one, Hugo Lloris' chocolate wrist, should have definitely saved that. It's just embarrassing, man. I mean, there's ways to lose. If you're going to lose, cool, but to lose 3-0 to Palace, no disrespect. That's,
1: it's a shocker. It's a shocker. agent
0: Davies for Scott yes
1: (laughs) Scott has chimed in and says that David had a hand literal and figurative in each of the three goals for Crystal Palace and Scott is not wrong but we were also not wrong about Odson Edward, really because we spoke about him last Friday and I've always touted him as a backup striker for Tottenham I don't want to crow too much because obviously he's got two goals against us (laughs) at the weekend but it does highlight why did we get a backup striker over the summer that was the answer we've had Danny Ings that one went you've got the Deadline looming, and you think actually 14 million looks an absolute steal right now. You know we could
3: bone 14 million.
1: It's absurd, Carl, really, isn't it? You know, and you just think whether he would have changed the game in our favour if the, if it was different. He was wearing white colours on uh, on Saturday, but it just highlights we've got to do this all season with uh, Harry Kane, who whether he wants to be there or not, is not firing on all cylinders at the moment. And you can't really go in with one recognised centre-forward. I know someone was chiming to me about Dane Scarlett and he might be the answer somewhere down the line, but that's a huge question to ask for him yeah, this season. Yeah. So, Not yet. you know, what Not can yet. we do?
0: The the trouble is now, there's nothing you can do, is there, exactly. you know, as you say, criminally, you've been left short in one position. And and we know people will sit there and say, yeah, but you can move Son into the middle if Harry's out and that. But again, Son isn't a natural striker and you kind of lose a little something from Son, don't you? When you bring him into that forward position. And especially as the fact that then you've got to trust the person you're putting in Son's position. And let's face it. We've got Bergvine who's had a better start this season than last season, but again, do we trust him in front of the goal? It, it it's it yeah, it, it is a it is criminal to leave your squad that short. And like as you said, Dan, when you're looking at the figures that two those two players just went for 25 million for Danny Ings, that is nothing in today's market. Absolutely peanuts. You can take a risk of a 25 million player, especially when you consider his pedigree and go, well, listen, that's 10, 15 goals. That's worth 25 million, even if he doesn't play every week. And as you say, there are other options out there that I'm sure you could have gone and got, you know, say the board have to look at themselves, you know, if you're sitting down, I don't understand why someone isn't going, please tell me why in a vital position where, as you say, we've got a guy that we know will constantly at some point have some games out where he'll pick up an ankle injury along the way because that is going to happen. Why have I gotten, why has our manager got no one else he can bring in? To that position, other than shifting players around and makeshifting a player in that position, and people should be asking some serious questions there, going, well, this is just wrong? You know, it's negligence in a way to leave your, you know, if you if a CEO left his company, that to and a gap, he would he would his head would be put on the block. Unfortunately, we we've kind of got used to it, haven't we? I think there is that view that well, we can just get away with it because Song can just move in there, and I think ultimately. That's why they've sat there and gone, well, let's just see if we can get away with it. Is Harry Harry's staying, well, we're we're all right, but we're not okay. Um, And that is going to come back to bite us across the course of the season at some point. And you're not going to be able to recover that in January, that's for sure.
1: No, absolutely not. But Jonathan, has this defeat also stoked up the anti-Enoch fire, shall we say? Because, again, it was all rosy for the international break. Obviously, people still are on the Enoch outside of the fence, and rightly so, if that's their decision. However you kind of forget when you're top of the league, things aren't that bad. You lose to Palace, and then all of a sudden that penny pinching is top topic again. So is this going to sort of resonate with a lot of fans? Uh,
3: Well, I think the more the season goes on uh, and the more likely we are to have um, truly depressing matches like Saturday's, I I think the, the, the lack of of a covering striker and the lack of a creative midfielder will just, you know, it's just throwing more wood on the fire, isn't it, really, um, for the Enig guys. And uh, uh, I'm not sure when you look around at other owners that there are too many um, that would have done necessarily a better job than Eni. I mean, as fans, we all want our owners to be incredibly pro- profligate, to spend money like water. Um, and uh, for us to have the pick of the world. But there's only one or two of those, actually, in the UK. So um, it's unlikely. There was a time I was living near Portsmouth. Well, Portsmouth managed to find an owner, that, uh, an Arab owner that had no money, and then they found a Russian owner that had no money. Um, so, you know, sometimes the grass may appear greener. I'm not entirely sure. But it always is greener um and if there's no point saying Enoch out unless you know that the alternative that came in actually would be better um uh, i don't think we know that but
0: yeah the the two oh, i think we might have lost jonathan have you oh, oh. no he's back there you are you're back
3: Sorry, i put my voice probably went too low and the microphone didn't pick it up i'm sorry uh what did you lose me at
0: the grass being not being greener.
3: Well, I think that's that's kind of it, you know. We don't know uh, who our new owner would be to replace Enoch. And until you know that, you can't really make a sensible decision whether it would be a good idea to get rid of Enoch or not. Um, and, and um, you know, there's, there's no question that in, in lots of ways they've moved the club forward uh, prior to them. I don't think anybody would have argued that we were a top six club. And yet, from the outside, people do think we are a toxic club. Not everybody, but probably the majority do. And, and that's down to Enoch and what they've done. I'm not an Enoch fan, per se, but I just don't think it's fair to criticise them for everything that's wrong with the club, because I don't think they are the root cause of everything that's wrong with the club.
1: Right, so let's move on, because we need to talk about Harry Kane. I think he played on Saturday, but it wasn't in the box at any point. Patrick... <laughs> The problem I envisage is that, remember when Christian Eriksen had that kind of six-month spell where he was at the club but his head was elsewhere? Is this going to be a criticism every time Harry Kane has a bad game? Oh, well, his head's in Manchester. Are we seeing exactly that from Saturday's performance?
2: I think so. I think it's kind of, um, it's not really fair to say because he got zero service. So other than that, that point that I mentioned about Skip trying to find him, No one looked for Harry Kane. No one could even get on the ball and had the creativity or the imagination to find him. Kane wasn't his usual self. He didn't drop deep and Carl alluded to it. Maybe it's because Son wasn't on the pitch. Bergeron wasn't on the pitch. So There's no runners in behind anyway. So, what's the point of him dropping deep? Because, as much as I like Lucas Mora, he hasn't really got the intelligence to make those darting runs, has he? We've never seen it before. So, maybe Kane just thought, what's the point? And it kind of looked like Kane was like, oh, fuck this. Like, I'm never going to get the ball. <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just chasing shadows all day. And he looked dejected. And we saw that. So, it's, it's too easy to say at the moment, our oh, Kane doesn't want to be there. Because I think, personally, Kane is our. Even if Kane doesn't want to be there, for selfish reasons, Kane is a goal machine and he'll want every record going and he would work his ass off to get those records. Even from a selfish standpoint, the guy will try and get goals because it's good for him. So that, and ultimately it's good for Spurs if he does that. But when there's no creativity, there's no one to find him. It's kind of, we might as well have not played with a striker. We should have just played with, um, you know, 10 midfielders or whatever, six midfielders, false nine and see how we go because Kane was wasted. And he ran around for 90 minutes and just burned his legs out for no reason. Um, Yeah, I I I blame Nuno. I can't really, the blame is on Nuno for me. I can't really blame Kane. Of course, as a player, he could always do more. But what, what more can he really do when he's not getting the ball in any shape or form?
0: I think ultimately, though, we have to accept that the guy doesn't want to be there. I think we are seeing, it's clear to see that the guy doesn't want to be here. We we know that. And not being funny, you can't blame him because, again, he'll come away from Saturday going, it's performances like that that are why I don't want to be at this club anymore because the club is not going to match what I want to match. You know, yes, we've had a couple of injuries, but if that's what happens after a couple of injuries... Then this this side is in big, big trouble this season. So that Harry doesn't want to be there. But again, I think people are picking a game where the team was so bad that, you know, it, it would be harsh to criticise a striker because what was he meant to do? Go and play left-back, right-back, centre-half, centre-midfield, just to try and make something happen, you know? And then, of course, if he dropped that far back, you'd have had people going, well, that's not what Harry, we want Harry Kane doing, we want him up top. It's a hard one to throw at him, but we will see this after every game. You know, if he doesn't score and we lose, people will say, "Well, what's Harry Kane doing?" But we have to accept the guy doesn't want to be here. But I'm like with Patrick; if he plays and we have the right quality around him, he'll still score goals. He, you know, he won't. He won't just purposely miss sitters because he wants Shearer's record. He wants to be Tottenham's all-time goal-scoring, you know, player. If, you know, or he did if he doesn't leave. So that guy won't miss chances if he's giving them. But you've got to get a, you've got to get enough of the ball to him in the right areas. And unfortunately, we didn't do that Saturday.
1: Well, Jonathan, I are mean we at a point where Kane's made a rod for his own back in that he can't have a bad game. Because if he has a bad game, everyone says he's checked out. If he does his usual goal-scoring attributes, then it's just Harry Kane being Harry Kane. So it's kind of... I wouldn't say he's made his bed, he's got a lie in it. But he has created the scenario for himself, hasn't he? And the only way he can really just carry on as normal scoring goals but if he scores lots of goals Man City are backing for him so it's kind of like well what, what do we do with him really it's a nice problem to have of course you'd rather have him than not have him but you'd rather have him of last season and in that sort of goal scoring group all the
3: time I think the answer with Kane is as it always has been you've got to feed him I mean you know <laughs> if, if, there's no point having uh, a centre forward particularly someone with his strike if you don't get the ball to him, and and then if he's not getting the passes, not getting the the crosses coming to him, as of late, he started to drop deep to look for the ball. But when Son is on the pitch, at least there's somebody to play the ball forward to. I didn't really understand why he was dropping deep at the weekend, because for what? For whom? Because there was nobody to, to put in anyway. So it was all a bit self-defeating and there were a couple of occasions very few but a couple of occasions in the second half where people did get forward down the touchline. and regular i remember at least on one occasion uh, and there was nobody nobody in the penalty box and you were that's exactly where you want Kane to be but he's been giving about somewhere near the center line and and you know then it's really it, it really just becomes a whole complete um, uh, downward spiral, didn't it? Because there's no, nobody's feeding Kane, he drops deep. When somebody does go to live to feed Kane, he's too deep to actually get on the end of it. It's just a, it's just a horrible circle without end. And uh, I think that's where we went to in the second half on Saturday, I'm afraid. It was just, it was abject. There was almost zero creativity throughout the team. And that was. In the first half, too, but it, it just seemed like in the second half, I thought Nuno looked a bit like a, a rabbit in the headlights. about sort of damned if I do, damned if I don't. But even when they scored, why not put on, see if he can have a run and, and set Harry up in the middle? What have you got to lose, for heaven's so In the end, we lost 3 0, so nothing would have been lost. Cole,
1: is it fair to say that Son can get by without Kane? Kane can't
0: get by without Son. Well, I guess the the biggest problem is, is, isn't it, is that Son, I guess, can get by without Kane because he then becomes the focal point and everything goes through him. I think, unfortunately for Kane, Son is the man he'll look for to kind of also, you know, if Kane isn't going to score, then you've got his creative spark, but he needs that player like Son on the pitch. And if he's not there, as Patrick said, you know, Bergvine the jury's still out as to whether he can be clinical enough in front of goal and be good enough to kind of mimic what Son does on the other side. And as we said earlier, Mora is great with the ball at his feet, but he hasn't got that intelligence of when to time a run over the top so that Kane can then go, okay, well, if Son's not there, Mora becomes the man I look for those balls over the top or through through the middle of the defence and he's going to run onto it. So... We do have a problem there, don't we? You know, I, I'm not so sure. You know, Son's been great. You know, I saw a lot of stuff at the weekend as so people now suddenly, because Kane has wanted out, people now suddenly came, yeah, well, Son's the best player we've got in the squad anyway. So, Kane, it doesn't. Listen, Kane is still the best player we've got at the club. That's make no mistake about that. And, you know, without Kane last season, Son would have been nowhere near as effective as he actually was last season because when you look at the assists, if Kane isn't setting Son up for the goals that he does, Son's numbers drop drastically. Um and again, if Kane leaves, is Son going to be as effective because who has got the quality to do what Harry Kane does on the ball when they look for him? So they both need each other. Um we've just got to try and start making, you know, obviously it's just bad news, son being out, wasn't it, after that international break. Um, but again, it just highlights, doesn't it, that you need a creative spark and a creative player that that can take the game by the scruff and the neck and say, well hang on, you two are gonna live off of me because I'm gonna be your creator. It's not happening and unfortunately, as Patrick said earlier, I think this is gonna be a long season, I'm afraid, and we're gonna I think we're gonna have a season of some real highs where we think, OK, this is, this is better. And then I think we're going to have a season of some real lows because there'll be performances and results. And I think we could see one coming in our next game against Chelsea where people come away going, wow, that, this is not going to be pretty this season.
1: Well, that's next week. Patrick, you've got about two minutes. Emerson Royal, talk to me. What do you think of him?
2: I thought he did all right, to be fair. I thought he played okay. Um, A few people were slating him. I thought that was quite harsh. He was thrown into the, you know, into the fire, thrown into the deep end. Zaha was on stuff this weekend. We haven't seen that kind of Zaha for a long time. I thought he did okay. He's probably been with us for a week or two. Hardly speaks English. He looked decent in the first half. Zaha definitely got the better of him in the second half. I think he got a bit too touch tight in the second half. And that's when Zaha started to spin him. So then somebody should have told him, or well, he should have had the, the mouse to step back a bit, let Zaha get the ball and then beat him instead of being too touch tight and he just gets spun. I thought he played okay. Um, he looks decent, but I was a bit disappointed because sometimes when he got the ball in an attacking area, he went backwards instead of trying to take a man on or whip something in. So um, some positives there, but obviously, yeah, we've got to see him. It's a bit too early to say that was a difficult first game for him, but I I... I Overall, I'm pleased with what I saw in the first half. (laughs) Right.
1: That'll do. A stunning assessment there, Patrick. On that note, I think we'll wrap things up. So that is it for this week. Actually, not for the week. It's for tonight. Because on Friday, we'll be back with another preview show. Yeah, we're going to do it all over again. It's the Chelsea preview. Lunchtime. I don't know the exact time. Whenever we're free. So we'll put some links out. Get clicking. Get watching. Get subscribing. More importantly. And now I need to thank my three pod squad members for this evening Jonathan thanks for making your debut I hope you enjoyed that one
3: I really did you know I had a good time thank you guys and thanks thanks for your support off the air as well
1: not a problem we'll have you back later in the season Patrick a top performance this evening loving your work as always
2: thank you yeah difficult times but we're still here we're still smiling so it's all good
1: and Carl thanks for running the channels this evening and wearing that captain's armband
0: free free therapy then it means you know everyone uh, everyone's has to stop hiding in the house now after that performance they can all come out again and we'll show some positivity um we got thursday which i'm sure will be okay and then we look ahead to chelsea
1: Oh, I forgot about Thursday. Yeah, we'll talk about that on Friday as well. Such has been my love for Tottenham. I completely forgot we're in the Europa Conference League. So Friday, we'll have a little chat about that also. I'm off to have some night nurse. So with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And until next time, come on you Spurs.
0: For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.